The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now... Here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome into the Business Locker Room. Great to have you on board. Great show lined up for you today. As usual, the uh, last show in 2014, show number 36. Hard to believe this is the uh, 36th episode of the Business Locker Room. The Business Locker Room, the business show with compelling conversations and useful content you can use to improve your business performance Starting today, no need to wait. We discuss practical tools and ideas for all types of business people. We look at management, leadership, sales, all different kinds of things, business development, strategic planning, entrepreneurship, uh, you name it. This show is about finding great guests, creating those compelling conversations, and leaving you with content that you can use today. It doesn't matter if you're a sales rep, a manager, a business owner, an executive. If you've got an interest in business, this is a place for you to be. Great to have you. You can find out much more about the show and about us at bizlockerroom.com. And uh, always welcome your comments, your suggestions, and uh, the things that uh, perhaps you would like to see in future shows. Give me a shout, Kelly, at bizlockerroom.com. You can follow me as well, at Kelly Riggs. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Going to talk change management. And uh, by the way, Kurt Steinhorst was going to be my guest I, I, I can't wait to have him on uh, the show uh, just because of his, uh, the, the things that he focuses on. He's a distraction guy. He, he's, he says, I'm a guy with ADD, and I teach companies and people how to avoid the distractions that create business performance issues. Can't, can't wait to have him on. Originally, we are going to have him on today, but we had to reschedule because of a conflict that he had. Uh, but uh, no worries. We're not going to miss a beat. We've got a great show lined up for you today, as I mentioned, as we talk about change management. Later on in the show, my good friend Miles Austin will join us and we'll talk about something that uh, I suspect you may not be very aware of. It's called Heat Maps. We'll talk about a product called Heat Map Magic. You're going to want to stick around for this. If you've got any web presence at all, if you've got a website and you care about what it looks like to your visitors and you want to know more about that, you want to listen in. This is this is fascinating stuff. I'm really excited to have Miles in, and uh, the X's and O's segment always brought to you by 4D Sales. We've got uh, great things happening next year, by the way. 2015, we're after 36 shows. We're going to start doing some uh, different things next year that I'm excited about. And one of those, just to give you a glimpse, we are going to um, 
integrate eight coaches into the locker room. I guess uh, in, in the parlance of the business locker room, you could call me the head coach, but I'm bringing in wor- eight world-class people uh, to coach in the business locker room, and you can't wait to see what that's going to be about. Uh, but these eight people are going to contribute uh, significantly to the business locker room. You're going to want to be a subscriber and be benefiting from what they have to say. Some of the people on this list are at the very, very, very top of the game. I mean, it's the kind of people that we have on the show that we try to attract all the time, and now they're going to be regular contributors as coaches to the locker room. We'll have a new look and a new feel next year as well. I'm excited about that. And we're going to have a bunch of giveaways, a lot of things to give away next year as uh, we roll into uh, to the new year and, and a new season in the business locker room to be rebranded, by the way, Biz Locker Radio. Yeah, excited about that new website as well. If you've done any change management work in the workplace, you will recognize uh, the wisdom of this phrase, manage change or it will manage you. And uh, our guest this week, organizational transformation consultant Robbie Riggs, joins me to talk about the pitfalls of change management and to discuss corporate leadership, by the way, from the perspective of a millennial, both as someone who's been led by others as a millennial and now as a leader himself of millennials and and people older than him as well. Full disclosure, Robbie is, yes, he's related. He is my son. So I'm excited. He's got a great practice uh, in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, Earlier this year, he formed 15 Springfield, Inc., and it is a uh, transformation specialty company. They Corporate transformation, strategic planning, those kinds of things. He currently works with a Fortune 500 company uh, in Boston, a lot of the work that he's doing there. He uh, began his uh, career with Hitachi Consulting in Dallas and uh, worked with a number of Fortune 500 clients like Harley-Davidson, Quest Diagnostics, Tyson Foods. In 2012, moved to Boston, joined Slalom Consulting to build their organizational effectiveness practice. Now has his own gig. Robbie, welcome to the show. Great to have you in the locker room. Hey, man, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for the places you're going and things you've done. I guess maybe I can be a graduate assistant instead of a head coach. (laughs) I don't don't know how that's going to work. No, it's awkward, right, since you're my son. But, uh, hey, you're a coach in your own right, no question about that, especially (laughs) given the clientele you work with. We want to talk about change management. You know, i got to tell you, I'm I'm really fascinated with the, the conversation that we have had about leadership from a millennial perspective. We'll do that after the break as well. But let's talk first about change management. You know, people hear words in, in our, our business, and a lot of times we take words for granted. Maybe people don't uh, understand them the same way that we do. What is change management? What does that even mean? I mean, is, is it is, as basic as the what it sounds, or is it more complicated? A great question. You know, it's one of those great buzzwords that we've thrown around in the last five years, uh, and, uh, you know, we management consultants have uh, layered more and more onto it words like transformation and personal transformation versus organizational transformation. But frankly, I like to define change management in four simple ways. Um, Whenever I work with clients, helping them understand really what is managing change or personal change management, uh, I I like to break it down in these four ways. First of all, change management is simply preparing yourself or your organization for the upcoming change. You know, uh, Ben Franklin said, if we uh, forget to prepare, then we will prepare for failure. And I think so often we just don't take the time to really prepare for that change. So in its simplicity, change management is simply preparing ourselves or others for the upcoming change. Another good way to look at it is we are 
excuse me, we are actually preparing ourselves for where we are going. Um, you know, so often when we go through a transformation, we think about how we are today, and we would call it our optimal performance level, and where we are going, and we are hoping that we are going to return after that change occurs to our optimal performance level. So right. I'd like to say change management is simply, you know, helping folks return to their optimal performance level. So any way you look at change management, it really is about that personal transformation you are doing in the context of your organization. So, um, you know, sometimes that's behavior change. You're quite literally changing what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. You know, other times that's centered around a technology um, or some other change that is being forced upon you, an organizational structure change, a new boss, moving to a new building, et cetera, et cetera. So while it's a a very hot buzzword and um, it's very popular right now, it's simply preparing yourself or others for for what's coming. Okay, very good. Well, it's it's interesting because I know a lot of the work that you've done has been associated with the IT space. You have people who are putting in new systems, new um, information technology systems of various kinds, whether it's an enterprise-wide transformation in that sense, but what I've just heard you say is that it's not necessarily about technology. It can be changing buildings. Uh, it can be uh, moving to a new procedure or policy. I mean, it can be as, as small or as large as you want it to be. And the, the fact of the matter is, in my work as a consultant, the most common complaint that I hear from employees is, we don't know what's going on around here. And especially in the middle of a big change, Robbie, that, that's a huge issue. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny how we think, how simple that is, right? I mean, oh, yeah, we'll tell them about it. Oh, they'll, they'll understand what's going on. You know, I've sat with many an executive who, when talking about and pushing them on how we're going to communicate, was like, well, it's simple. It, it, that'll be the easy part. And I have to go, whoa, whoa, time out. Do you understand really what it means to develop a really, really thorough communication plan and the importance of that? You know, we don't think about some of the changes associated with something like a, you know, a reorganization or we're going to move an office. You know, it takes time just for an associate, an employee, to get their bearings. Where's the bathroom? Where's the break room? You know, where, what new restaurant am I going to go to in this new office? Little things like that impact. When you look at, you think about the performance dip or the organizational change curve, um, and uh, those are listening on the podcast later, uh, if you're not in your car, you can Google that and look at the image. When you think about that dip, that performance dip that happens when any change occurs and the time it takes you to get back to your optimal performance level, that can happen and that impact can happen with the smallest of changes. It doesn't have to be, well, you, we're implementing some major ERP or you know, we, we got bought by a company, now what's going to happen? Uh, organizations so often forget about the, the little details. You know, a great example is when a company rebrands. So they go out and spend all this time and money for a, a new logo, and we're going to paint the walls this specific color because it, it's going to mean this to certain people, and they're going to perceive us a certain way. But we don't take the time to get down to the associate level and think about how is that going to impact them? What behaviors do they need to show on a daily basis to mirror this rebrand? So it does go down to the smallest factor, not just on, on a major implementation or some major process change. My guest is Robbie Riggs. He's the founder of 15 Springfield, a transformation consulting company based in Boston, Massachusetts. You can follow him on Twitter, at Robbie Riggs. You mentioned as you started the definition of change management that you looked at it four ways. One of the ways I have here is, is that it's preparing for the upcoming change. Finish, finish the balance of that. What are, what are the rest of the pieces and parts of those four aspects of change management? 
Yeah, absolutely. The second one is around, sometimes, frankly, it's making necessary change as painless as possible. You know, we often think about the prescribed changes, the ones that we sit in a boardroom and, and labor over for hours and hours and hours in strategic planning, but often it's simple, small, necessary changes that must be made. And as change managers, our job is to make that as painless as possible. You know, a good example of that is we know that we're, we're growing and we're opening a new distribution center or we're opening a new retail location. What are all the, the necessary changes that come with that from a back office perspective, and how can we make those as painless as possible? Something that companies overlook all the time that has such a negative impact, not only on morale and on, you know, you can expand that into culture, uh, but also on, frankly, top and bottom lines when you don't have everyone rowing in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the third one is around changing folks' behavior. Changing the individual behavior of associates is a very simple way to look at change management. You know, we, we often like to try and point to, well, it's got to be the process or it's, you know, this technology. I'm just not getting the report I need. Or if it just gave me the number in this, you know, format, I could really, you know, do a better job. And we look to invest so much time and energy into things like technology and process change, when in reality, often it's a lack of accountability, lack of leadership problem. But you know what? Behavior change is hard. Managing mm-hmm. people change is hard. And so we often don't look at that. So that, that's really the third one that I like to look at is thinking about what is the behavior of our associates that needs to change. And then finally, you know, simply change management can be thought about quickly returning associates to their OPL, that optimal performance level, after the change has occurred. Um, it's so critical, especially when you think about a major technology or process change, to ensure that you get associates back to their optimal performance level. Um, an easy example. Uh, if, if my job on a line is to move the widgets from line A to line B, and then uh, some, you know, operations management consultants come in and decide that it would be more uh, beneficial or more efficient for the lines to run in a different direction. When I come into work on Monday and those lines are differently and I'm now moving the widget to a new spot, I'm not going to do it as quickly as I did before. So how do we return that associate to their optimal performance level as soon as that change happens? Because that, frankly, is the value of change management. That's where you get the return on your investment to ensure that instead of taking eight weeks to get us back to our uh, OPL, our optimal performance level, it only takes us, you know, four days, one week, et cetera. So that's really where you can find true dollars and real cash value in the art of managing change. Robbie, eight years, I've I've owned my own practice uh, in, in my own consulting practice, and I've worked with companies as small as $3 million in annual revenue to the Fortune 500 level as well. It seems to me as though every day is about change. Everything that that people experience in the workplace on a regular basis, it seems like if you're a company that has any dynamism at all, I mean, if you're growing or anything, it seems like you're changing every day. Where, Where does a leader find the opportunity or the wherewithal to create a change management plan? I mean, it sounds fantastic in theory, but it sounds like a lot of work on the other end. I mean, walk me through that process if I'm a skeptic. Yeah, man, that, that, that's, a, that's a loaded, powerful question there because, and it's one that, frankly, all of our Fortune 500 executives are trying to solve right now. You know, one of my favorite change management quotes is by Winston Churchill. He said, to improve is to change, but to perfect is to change often. And, you know, the, the companies that didn't make it, you know, we, we could have a conversation in, in this hour about companies that didn't change. Um, and, of course, we no longer see them. Um, I would mention Blockbuster, Kodak, and others that thought things were fads and they were past. So, 
you know, when developing that change management plan, it truly does start at the leadership level. You know, there's a great company out of Colorado Springs called ProSci, Professional Sciences. They're really the leader in research and uh, really they, they produce an annual report around what is happening in change management, um, what are the themes, what's been successful this year, what's been struggle, you know, where the struggles been. And the number one reason these transformation efforts fail, these change management plans fail, is lack of leadership. And it's easy when you're in the boardroom to say, yeah, managing change is important, but when rubber hits the road, when sales start to soften, when maybe we don't have as much of that income to put towards that project that we thought we were going to have, the first thing that gets whacked is our change management professionals. And frankly, that's why transformations fail. We don't think long-term. We think about the short-term and the next period and the next quarter. So to answer your question directly, you know, how do you start? Where do you go to start to build that change management plan? Uh, the first step, in my opinion, is you have to take a step back and really think about truly where you're going. Aligning your people with your mission, vision, values, and really who you are as an organization in the future is that first step. If you don't have a leadership team that can come together and decide on that and really work through a facilitated session on where do we want to be, if you can't get there, then you're really going to struggle to get your organization on board with where you're going. Getting past that step and really understanding where we're going as an organization, you then have to look at what will truly the impact be to my company. Is this a technology thing we're doing? Is this about process, reorg? What is the impact going to be on the day-to-day? Doing that thorough impact analysis and really understanding who all those key stakeholders are, missing that step, you're destined for failure. You, you, you forget about that one person, that one area that has such a you know, cultural impact, that they have such a great reputation in the org. When you find out they're not on board, it, it fails. So um, really ensuring that you have that vision for the future, you know what the impact is, you know who the right folks are to get on board, that, those are all those foundational things that start that, all right, now we can create a plan. And, you know, Kelly, you alluded to this earlier, communication, if it's not the most important thing, it's, it's 1A on the list. Um, right. Companies over and over and over underestimate the power and the importance of communication. And it's not just tell them once, it's, it's the old tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. And really taking the time to develop a thorough plan. You know, thinking through things strategically like, how do I want our associates to act once this change has occurred? What do we want them to think, to believe, to feel? Getting down to their core of, and the emotion, that emotion is powerful. And how do we get to that level where we are impacting them you know, emotionally and really engaging them and engaging our culture? So communication is critical. You know, then, of course, learning, ensuring that they have everything they need to be successful. They have the knowledge, right? It, again, I use the word learning very intentionally. You can train someone to push a button. You can train anyone to push a button. However, taking the time to teach that person and helping them learn what the inputs and outputs of that is, what are the upstream and downstream ramifications of pushing that button, that's true learning. And, and I'm a big proponent of that and have spent a lot of time with clients helping them understand the difference between not just training your associates, but really helping them learn what the future state is going to be. And finally, Kelly, I think wrapping this up is you have to ensure that once implemented, once this change is implemented, you actually measure the effectiveness of the change. You know, where so many companies fail is we get that system plugged in, we, we execute the reorg, we, you know, get to the new office and we all high five and uh, go out for drinks, but we don't under, really understand, are people logging into that new system? 
Are they right. abiding by the new processes? That's really where you understand whether you're getting that return on investment. I mean, you, you as a sales executive in the past, how often have you implemented a new process or seen a CRM or something get put in and no one uses it? Yeah, right. right. You, you might as well have taken that million dollars, put it in a bag, and burned it because it was completely worthless, and you're getting no return on that. So really measuring adoption and taking steps to remediate where necessary is, is absolutely critical. Well, folks, if you're listening in, you uh, probably had no idea that change management was that difficult. <laughs> and it, and that's, that's the point. I mean, really, people, executives get paid to design change, to implement growth, to do all these things. Typically, don't think about the implementation the ramifications and the implication on the organization itself. We're going to take a short time out, pay some bills. When we come back on the other side, we're going to uh, rejoin with Robbie. We'll continue to talk about change. And by the way, we'll look at leadership from the perspective of a millennial. We talk about it a lot of times. Now let's talk, about, let's talk to a millennial who can give us some insight. My name is Kelly Riggs. I'm your host here in the business locker room. We'll be back on the other side. Stay with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Hey, great to have you back in the business locker room talking with Robbie Riggs. He's the founder of 15 Springfield. Follow him at Robbie Riggs on Twitter. By the way, next week, great shows. We start out the new year, and boy, what a lineup to the first two and a half months already. We're 10, 10 shows booked already, actually, a booking now into March and April. Fantastic guests on the way. Karen Hurt will join us next week of Let's Grow Leaders, and my buddy Todd Schnick will be along as well. And uh, we'll be talking about media and other things uh, in your business. Should be great, great stuff. Again, the Business Locker Room. Find us at bizlockerroom.com each and every week live here on Voice America, 3 p.m. Central. Subscribe to the podcast. Do what I do. I wait till uh, my engineer, Michael, puts it up on iTunes, and I go pull it down, and I listen to it again and again in the car, just like a radio station is a podcast, or when you're on a long run or something like that. 
You'll do us a great favor if you'll go online, go on the iTunes store, find the podcast, and not only subscribe, but leave us a rating and a review. That is always good. Hey, whatever you think about the show, we're interested to hear. And if you've got ideas about guests, and if you have questions, find me, Kelly, at bizlockerroom.com. As I mentioned, Robbie Riggs joining us as we talk about managing change. And, uh, you know, one of the things I was telling you at the break is I'm left with the impression that there's really an awful lot of work to do as as an executive or a manager or an entrepreneur. When you introduce change into the organization, many times we've already thought through it all. We've bought into it. What we don't realize is we haven't done any selling at all to the people that work for us. We just expect them to jump on board and to be as enthusiastic as we are. And that's, that's a real mistake, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, communication, driving the what, what I call the with them, uh, the, the what's in it for me, down through the organization and, and really tailoring that message to your audience is critical. I mean, if you're not going to get buy-in from a you know, entry-level analyst the same way you're going to get buy-in from a director or a vice president. So uh, it truly is critical to tailor that message. And, you know, I always remind clients that it's important to communicate through the funnel, right? Why is it important for the organization? Why is it important for your department, for your boss, and for you? And really providing the context holistically and then making it real and relevant down to the individual. But, I mean, completely critical, and we often don't think about the need to really communicate at that level. How often, Robbie, do you get employees or associate level, you know, people down at, at the board level, you know, the, 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 where the rubber meets the road, how often do you get them involved in the early strategic side of change management, or do you at all? Yeah, great question, uh, and actually we do. Uh, I'm a big fan and have subscribed through throughout my career of creating uh, what you've heard called, I'm sure, advocate networks or champion networks, change champions. It, you know, getting those influencers that are in the organization, getting them involved early, helping pick their brain around, you know, what are the pitfalls? How is this going to be a problem? Why is this going to be resisted? And leveraging them and their knowledge and their influence at really the grassroots level to help understand, A, you know, as you get into the implementation, why is this not working? Let's use them to correct course. I mean, I, I use them as an extension of our change management team, frankly, to really get in and really understand what folks are saying. You know, it's so much easier to, to sit, you know, pop up in your cube and ask a, quote, dumb question than you would to send it to, you know, questions at some random inbox. So having those advocates is critical, and, and engaging them as soon as possible is, is really, really important if you want your transformation to be successful. Well, this is the business locker room, and of course, the implication is is that we're the intersection between business and sports. They have so much in competition, or, or in in common rather, because it is a competition, and we are competing for uh, the mind of our consumers, our customers, and so forth. So, I, I think about it from an athletic standpoint, and I suspect that many of our listeners have have played sports at many levels, or it's certainly at one level or another. And the thing about it is, is if somebody comes in and change, if you get a new head coach or you change your offense, or you're doing something different in terms of game plan, every coach or player has been through that process, and they recognize that there is that dip in performance that you referenced. And if you don't know, I I can only imagine sitting in the huddle in a football game and uh, being told that we've just changed our offense, and I have no idea what it is, but I'm supposed to go out there and operate at the same level of performance that I have in the past. It's going to be pretty difficult. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, taking that, you know, keep, keeping that metaphor going, I mean, think about when a new coach comes in, the first thing they do is sit down with their quarterback and talk about, you know, how have you done things in the past, what are your strengths and weaknesses, tailoring that game plan 
to your strengths and weaknesses. It's the same thing when you're managing change in an organization. If we know we have a strong culture within our organization, then we probably have more we are more adept to handling that change. If we know we have a fragile psyche as an organization, we're a young company and we're growing, let's layer that change in over time and we're not going to go the big bang approach. So I think that you can tailor a change management plan and any organizational transformation for that matter to the strengths of your company just like you would implement a new game plan for your team, whether it be uh, on the football field or on the uh, other football pitch. Well, it's a nice segue. You talk about a young company, and of course, in today's workplace environment, uh, the youth of the workplace has, has become quite the issue. We talk about first-generation X and now millennials, and uh, according to U.S. Department of Labor statistics, I think by 2015, uh, roughly half the workforce is millennials, and, and I'm sure you see that in your work as well. You're, you're managing across generations. You're managing different perceptions, all of those kinds of things. Let's talk a little bit about leadership from your perspective as a millennial. When you entered the workforce uh, eight or nine years ago, uh, fresh out of the University of Oklahoma Price College of Business, what was, what was leadership like? I mean, did you, did you see a generation gap? Did you experience that at all, or is that something uh, that you even had to work through? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, I, as you know, and as you discussed earlier, I went right into consulting, and, and typically in the consulting arena, it's, there's a high expectation um, that is set across the board, and then it's kind of pushed down to the project manager level to, you know, drive performance. Uh, and I w- I've been very fortunate in my career. I've had outstanding project managers and managers that I've worked for. Uh, and, and where I really saw the difference was at that partner level, at the VP partner level uh, that was more of the boomer generation. And it wasn't, you know, it was, we have an open door policy, but the door's not really open and don't you dare come knock on it. So um, you, you do see that. And, you know, entering in the workforce, you know, I considered myself a Gen Y before this millennial business. Um, and I still revolt on the millennial, millennial name, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I think it's we wanted and we were encouraged in, in business school to forge those relationships and ask those hard questions. And I found that the, the Gen Xer, you know, the, the ones right above me, were willing and, and really wanted to help and, and really provide that mentor. Whereas, generally speaking, the boomer generation, it was more of a, well, uh, we have a quote-unquote open-door policy, but uh, you're not coming near my door. Right. Interesting. Well, you, you know, I, I, I may run afoul of some people here, and maybe it's the boomer in me that's coming out. But although I think leaders have every obligation in the world to manage and lead their people effectively and adapt to whomever they may be individually, I, I, I find it to be a bit of a, a, a mistake for people coming into the workplace, a millennial, to come in and say, well, I'm demanding that you manage me differently because I am different. I think you get a lot further in the workplace and progress a lot quicker when you make the decision that, I may be different, but if I tailor what I do to my boss's needs and concerns, I'm more likely to move up the ladder quickly because I, I you know, I won't have those personality conflicts and those kinds of things. Do you, you, you think that's valid, or is that asking too much? No, I, I think that's spot on, and I think it's a combination of things. You know, as a good leader managing a millennial, you understand, generally speaking, their needs and wants, and again. All of this is generalization. You know, we're not talking about this today, but if we were to dive into the communication aspect of that and talk about personality style, I'm a big fan and both have taught and learned, researched within DISC. And when you think about people's different personality styles, as a leader, it is 
smart of you to adapt your communication style to the person you're communicating with. You will be more effective. Research shows that over and over and over. And I think it's the same way when managing any type, whether I'm managing a a boomer on a team or a Gen X or a millennial, I want to first and foremost understand who they are and what their personality is and knowing that they will then communicate a certain way, give and receive feedback and receive criticism a certain way. And and I think their generation is part of that. I mean, you know, we millennials like to think that we invented multitasking. Um, of course, multitasking is a myth, so I'm not sure how we invented it. But <laughs> I, I, we want to provide that opportunity for folks, whether it's they want to be secluded and work on their own or they want to work within a high-performing team. Now, your, your point, I think, is well taken that, you know, this is the way we do things here, get on the bus or get out of the way. I think that's a bit extreme, uh, but if I'm giving advice to, you know, my fraternity brothers or of people that are coming up in an organization, it's always if you work hard and, you know, and do your best and adapt your style to your managers, you're going to make them look good and be easier to work with. So I think it is a give and take, but both sides have to give and both sides have to take. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned multitasking. Uh, Kurt Steinhorst was supposed to be on with us today. He'll be on uh, February the 16th. And if you're listening in, you want to you put a special little check mark beside that date because we'll talk about distractions and attention deficit and, and all of those kinds of things, including multitasking. And, and Kurt's got a fantastic perspective on that. Uh, like yourself, Robbie, he is uh, a millennial as well. Having, having worked on both sides of the, of the fence, I know that you've both led as a millennial and you've been a follower you know, early on in your career as a millennial as well. I recall a particular story that you told me about a Fortune 500 client that the first time you met, uh, there was some question about whether or not they perceived you to be old enough to, be, <laughs> to have any real <laughs> credibility uh, in the role that you were playing. And I, and I suspect that's part of the issue as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, there's absolute validity to the, well, you don't have that much experience. Um, I understand that. Earlier in my career, that drove me absolutely crazy. Well, Robbie, you just need a little more seasoning. You just need a little more experience. What in the world does that mean? Um, and, and as I've matured in my career and I've had some of that seasoning and experience, I, I do understand the validity to that. However, um, just because you've done something some way for 25 years doesn't mean it's right. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean it's wrong, but just because someone is not tenured in the work po- workforce doesn't mean that they have a unique perspective that they can provide on a given problem. You know, we always talk about, I, I love to think about solutioning instead of problem solving. And when we solution, we want perspectives from everyone. Just because you have not done it at this type of company in this type of environment with this type of technology, that doesn't mean that you don't have a great perspective or, or a way that can help us drive to that solution. So, um, uh, the example you were talking about was an interesting one. Um, a, an individual told me that um, they had systems older than me, and who was I to tell them that their way of doing things wasn't efficient? Um, and they were doing everything paper-based, and it wasn't efficient, and they came around. Um, but it, it is interesting that that, as, as a millennial, it's a challenge you must overcome that, that you know, oh, well, you've never done this before. Um, you, know, you know, something else, Kelly, that I think is interesting is – we, everyone assumes that all millennials want to be the, the boss tomorrow. And, and again, that's a generalization that I think is not always true. Um, there are a lot of uh, peers of mine and people that I've worked with 
um, in the NBA program that they want to get on a high-performing team and be a team player and learn and soak it in and listen. So I would also encourage leaders to not jump to conclusions that just because the millennial on their team has a different idea, that doesn't mean that they want to be the CEO. They maybe just want to lend a perspective and feel like they're heard and a valued member of the team. That's interesting. We've come full circle because what you were talking about there is the 25-year-old veteran who's managing a millennial now, and uh, they they expect the millennial to sort of you know uh, develop their chops and get some experience and all that. But that that is change as well. I mean, wh- what we're doing is when we're hiring new new people, oftentimes we're interjecting change because new people, in fact, regardless of generation, are going to bring new ideas, new input. Uh, perhaps new ways of doing things, and many times as a leader, one of the failures of leadership is the inability to change. They're, they're just another aspect of change management. You referred to it as behavioral change. Yeah, absolutely. You know, HBR recently released a report about their you know annual human capital assessment, uh, and one of the things they talked about was developing managers, and I think this extends to developing leaders. That is a personal transformation that people go through that 90% of the time they aren't helped through that transformation. They're expected on day one to be a, you know, a, a line-level supervisor and day two to be the boss. Well, we're not going to enable you or help you be successful, but we expect you to be the boss. So you're exactly right. That transformation is massive. And when you go from caring about you know, personal numbers and uh, personal goals to the success of the team over the success of me as an individual, uh, that's a big, big shift. And you know, managing millennials... It, this isn't the jump and I say how high model anymore. You know, a, a, a millennial and, and a Gen Xer, um, it, for those that are listening in that generation, I think feel the same way, that I, we want to j- come into a team and be a part of the team. You know, we, we want to focus on our team and where we're going and really understand that we're a, a key aspect of it. Um, you know, using that term with them again, what's in it for me? What, what value am I getting out of this? And, and it is very, very different from the way that a 25 year vet entered the workforce where it was, you know, sit down, shut up, and when, when we're ready, we'll tell you. So right, the, model, right. the model has changed. In, the, in about 90 seconds that we've got left in this segment, uh, Robbie, let's, let's talk about some of the myths uh, of millennials. You addressed one of the first ones, that they want to be CEO, automatically want to be CEO. In fact, uh, the, the old joke is uh, the millennial wants to come to work about noon on Monday in flip-flops and wants to be CEO on Friday. Uh, but you you say you call false on that one. You don't think that one's necessarily true. Let me ask you a couple of others. Uh, the the traditional perspective of millennials is they've always gotten a trophy for everything. They get you know they get rewarded just for showing up. True or false? Millennials want to be coddled. <laughs> oh man, sadly, I think that's true. Unfortunately, um, I, I will say though, I think a lot of that has to do with personality type. Um, you know, there are many many personality styles within the millennial generation that think that, well, you just, if you just give me a second, I'll show you that I deserve a trophy and I'll, you know, based on my hard work. So I think that that is definitely situational, but unfortunately, I think generally speaking, this pains me to say, I think it's probably true. <laughs> wow. The, another one is this, that uh, for, for many millennials, work is almost an afterthought. It's the second part of the equation. Uh, true or false, they care more about the social side of work than they care about the work side of work. Absolutely. I think that's 100% true. You know, I, I talked a lot today about being part of a high-performing team and being part of a team. I think that's 
huge for a millennial, really want to feel like they're engaged and involved in something meaningful, not so big and macro that they don't understand it, i.e. what the company's doing, but what is our team doing and how is that benefiting the organization? I think that's spot on. The social aspect to our generation is very, very important. Great, great stuff from Robbie Riggs. He's the founder of 15 Springfield, currently working with Fortune 500 clients in the Boston, Massachusetts area. As you heard me discuss, he is a millennial, and he is uh, now leading other millennials and other baby boomers as well. Really good stuff on change management and on leadership from the perspective of a millennial. Robbie, great to have you in the business locker room. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Always good stuff. Hey, we're going to take our final time out. We'll come back on the other side. Miles Austin will jump in. And we'll talk the X's and O's segment. As always, brought to you by 40 Sales. Today, we're going to talk about heat maps. You might not have a clue what that is. You're going to want to stick around. It's great stuff. On the other side of the break, I'm Kelly Riggs. You're listening to The Business Locker Room on Voice America. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Hey, thanks for staying with us. This is The Business Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs. Follow me on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs. Love to have you and love to hear your comments. Kelly at bizlockerroom.com. Many thanks to Robbie Riggs for joining us. Spectacular conversation about change management, and uh, I think there's just so much more we can do there in talking about millennials in the workforce. One of the more commonly requested topics for me uh, in work that I do with with my clients. The X's and O's segment is brought to you by 4D Sales, and 4D Sales, one of those great tools that if you have salespeople in your organization, you're going to want to have this tool available. It is so affordable, it's just almost crazy that you would not have it for your people. Back in the day when Miles and I were uh, much younger men and uh, we were using things like uh, Big Chief tablets and crayons to for make our sales presentations, we didn't have all these cool tools. You know, We had to drag around a briefcase full of brochures and price lists, and we didn't even have websites and audio and video and things like that. But imagine the complexity of what your salespeople do today, and they need all of those things 
at their fingertips for their clients. Imagine having it right there on your tablet device, whether it's iPad or a Windows 8 device. Everything they need to make a sales call, live websites, audio clips, video, PDFs, collateral material, price lists, all of that easily available. One click to email it to the client. Very easy to scroll between those. You can even include slide decks or individual pages out of slide decks. It makes it fantastic when you're making a presentation and you need to reference material quickly. You don't have to go search through files and folders and different cloud boxes and so forth. You've got it all right there in front of you. And if you're a business owner, it really makes it nice because you upload the newest iterations of everything and you know that every salesperson has the latest and greatest of everything they need to make a sale. 4dsales.com. Make sure you check them out. Special thanks to, uh, to Brian Carpenter and the folks at 4D Sales for their sponsorships. And we welcome into the X's and O's segment, great friend of the program, partner in the program. His name is Miles Austin. You can find him at fillthefunnel.com. Miles, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, and I just want to clear up one thing. I wasn't born, and I was born on the day that the iPad was first released. I don't know what that big chief thing is you're talking about. Oh, that is, that's, just, <laughs> that's so wrong. I mean, you're old enough to be my granddad. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> that could be the truth. That could be the truth. <laughs> oh, too funny. Hey, happy holidays, and uh, thanks for being with me these 36 shows. It's, it's been a great run this first year. You know, it's amazing. You said that. And I thought, man, alive, 36 shows. It seems like we would just talk, you know, a couple of friends sitting around the table uh, for an hour or two, and that's really how it feels because there's so many amazing things we've talked about in the well, last 36 shows. No doubt about it. I will tell you for me personally, this has been the best part of the show, and that's saying a lot because I have made a lot of uh, great relationships and learned a lot from the guests that we've had on the show. People like those that have uh, introduced our rejoins today, from Dan Walshman to John Spence to Jill Conrath and many, many, many more, as you know. But you have brought so much uh, illumination to technology on this show, it's got to be must must listen for a lot of people, and we just got to get a lot more people involved in the show. And we've grown, we've grown tremendously. But I'm excited about 2015 miles, as you know. We've got a lot of uh, things that we're going to introduce uh, and begin to talk about next week. But this week we're talking heat maps. All right. Well, I, people are heat maps. What in the world? Tell us what we're talking about. Well, I, let me, let me kind of give you the, the overall. The heat map is a technology that's been around for, you know, five, six years at least. And it's kind of based on the concept that the heat map name is really just based on the concept of when you were younger and you'd play that game when one of you would, we'd all go hide and seek kind of thing. And, and you would say you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, oh, you're getting colder. And as you got closer to the goal, you would get hotter and hotter, and now you're, you know, you're scalding hot. Well, that's the kind of the, the concept of heat maps. Heat maps are a tool and a technology we apply to websites, to online presence that shows you the truth about what your website visitors are doing. Not what you think they're doing or what you want them to do, but what they're actually doing. Are they, where are they looking? Where are they clicking? What are they actually doing online? Does it, are they clearly following the path that you set out on your website? Wow. Now, I, I mean, I'm, I'm completely befuddled by that because how in the world can you know where my eyes are on your <laughs> webpage? 
Well, great question. It is one of the questions we get a lot. Let me give you, let me back up one moment and say there's really, we use in, in this tool, in, in heat map magic, we use four types of heat maps. We have one that tracks and shows you where people are clicking. We have one that you just referenced by eye or slash mouse movement, right? We, we can follow that. We also do one by scrolling. That's one of my favorites. And the one that just literally makes people's jaws drop when they see it on their own site is the actual video replay of every individual viewer while they're showing you. We actually record the video of their interaction on your site. But let me ask, answer your question. Based on those four, the one that you talked about was, how do you know where my eyes are looking at the screen? And what we didn't know is that there is a microscopic webcam in every... Com no, <laughs> not really. We're not... We're not. <laughs> but here's the You're theory. starting to freak people out, right? There. I know, <laughs> I know. It's like, oh my gosh. Um, but here's the, here's the theory is that, um, and, and lots of studies have backed this up, that there's, there's where your eyes go when you're reading something on the screen, where your eyes go your mouse pointer goes. Ah, and okay. the reverse is where your mouse pointer goes all the time, your eyes go. So what we built into this tool, this specific function, is to show you graphically on the screen with color-coded um, indications on the screen as an overlay on your live website where that cursor is, where are their eyes flowing on your screen, right? And so... You know, on a typical homepage, you've got key elements there. You probably got all your social media buttons, and you have maybe an intro. You've got your a menu of different areas that someone can view on. Well, this technology, using the mouse movement specifically, can show you when they're and think about it. When we're all viewing a website, you kind of grab your mouse and you kind of use it to scan across and move across, maybe in the menu bar. Or maybe as you read, you're kind of using it as a way to flip down the page and to look and see what's happening. That's what that mouse movement or the eye movement uh, heat map function does. So the whole idea behind this is you, you've, you've created a tool that if I have a website, I can actually see what people are doing on the site. That's, I, I suspect, good information because it leads me to change perhaps the design or the flow of the website. Am I following you? 100% correct. And so you, we talked a few weeks ago about the, the value of Google Analytics and the other analytics programs. Well, this, yes. this just complements that completely because Google Analytics tells you what clicks and how many clicks and all that. This shows you where they're going. So let me use a typical example from a client scenario. We'll have a client that says, Miles, I'm not getting... I, I'm not getting all the Twitter followers or the Facebook likes or the LinkedIn views that I'd like to get. Why, why is that? I've got links there like you've told us to do. Uh, why is it not happening? So we'll use, in that case, I'll use two different uh, heat maps to show them. We install it on their site. We go in and I'll use two. I'll first use the click heat maps. And that will literally show on any page on your site once you've installed it. It'll show you everywhere that people are clicking, and it shows you based on a, a color, like red is where the most people are clicking, and then green, blue, etc., as it moves away from that center. So it literally shows you where they're clicking. The one that's also very intriguing is this scrolling heat map. And what that shows you, you literally go in, it shows your uh, website or any of the pages within your website, and on the left-hand column, there's a percentage number, and it calculates and shows you what percentage of your viewers 
are scrolling to that point on your screen, right? So right. using that scenario, let's say that you say, Miles, why am I not getting all the, I don't get the Twitter growth that I see others getting. You've talked about it, how important it is. Why am I not doing that? And I've got a beautiful page and I, maybe I spent some money to do it. Well, let's go look at it. And what you'll find is, in this specific example, that as we go and look at the heat maps, what it's telling us is, even though it's only maybe a halfway down that home page for those buttons to follow you on your social media platforms, only 17% of the viewers are even scrolling down that far to see those buttons. So what we're saying there is 1.7, or let's just say only two people out of 10 of your visitors even saw the buttons. So what does that tell us, right? That causes an action that we can take. And now we can test. We move those buttons towards the top, or in some cases at the very top. Make them prominent and make them visible. And I recommend usually for that on the right-hand side of your screen. And guess what? All of a sudden, within hours, we're watching people clicking those buttons. And now you're getting people to go to your Twitter, to follow you, to do Facebook likes, etc. So wow. the same thing can happen with newsletter signups. If you say, why are people not reading my blog? And maybe your navigation bar isn't very clear and they don't see and they scroll down your page. They kind of scroll through. They really don't see anything that indicates here's what the blog is, right? Right. So really interesting. It, it gives you actionable things based not again on what you think or what you've heard or what you hope. It's what's really happening. Well, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's, it, what's interesting is you, as you say all that, I hearken back to the days when everyone in business read a newspaper, and, and lots of people still do, but more and more people are reading them now online. But, you know, there was always the concept of having an article above the fold or a byline above the fold. What, what we knew in, in newspaper, for instance, was if you were above the fold of the newspaper, you were much more likely to be read than if you were below the fold. And if you were buried on page five, you know, and on the bottom half of the, the page, you weren't getting read like if you were at the top of the sports page in the next section. I mean, there's, there's, it's just a variation of that idea based on what I'm hearing you say. It is, but the beauty of all these are is you literally have, you're getting information as if you're standing behind over the shoulder, if you will, of every visitor to your site to see the truth about what they're actually doing, seeing, and interacting with on your site. And when you watch that video replay of each of those user sessions and it starts, you click the play button, it's actually a video that we save that's in your dashboard and you're watching as a visitor as, as recently as 15 seconds ago or as 30 or 60 or 90 days or even earlier than that and you're watching them moving around your screen and left-clicking and right-clicking and navigating, it's just phenomenal what you can learn and that ability to realize, you know what, no one's even seen my testimonials. Well, let's think about why. Or do the, is the font not big and bold, etc., right? So there's lots of that kind of activity that we're just missing the opportunities on. And that's why heat maps are so particular. We, when we built this, we said, and there's, you know, there's several other competitors out there that are, you know, you could easily spend $1,000 a month on this. So we said, let's go bring something to the table for the common business person and let's come up with something you can just pay a monthly fee on I think they start it's like $29 a month there's no commitment you can go in install it for a month and then take it off if you think you've learned everything right right but you you go in you install it it's quick and easy 
and you're getting information as quickly as your next visitor is on your site. It's really a powerful tool. And what's really fun about this is it's one of those few tools that you can install and have feedback as soon as your customers are on that website. And you can tweak and act and make changes and drive new, uh, new opportunities based on what you're learning. Well, full disclosure for our listeners, this is Miles Austin product. This is his product. It's something he's used on his own site for a number of years now, has worked with clients, and has uh, really been encouraged to take to the broader market, and he does. And this is the kind of uh, character in the, in the individual that you're working with. It's absolutely money-back guarantee. You're free to cancel your subscription at any time. He absolutely uh, promises that it's going to do what it says it does, and it's all right there on the website. I encourage you to go there immediately, heatmapmagic.com, and you heard Miles talk about $29 a month. I mean, it's, um, it, it is absolutely phenomenally inexpensive for the kind of data that you're going to get from it. Good stuff, Mr. Austin. Miles, uh, Heat Map Magic, that, that, that sounds like a winner to me, and of course, you know me. I'll, I'll be checking it out right away, <laughs> see what I can go. do with it. Well, hopefully so. In fact, I'll tell you, maybe next week if we have a chance, I'll, uh, I'll tell you what, what happened after this show and tell you what the visitors that are hearing the show live today, what they did when they went to see Heat Map Magic. Oh, that's great stuff. Hey, that's going to do it for the Business Locker Room and for the X's No segment. Thanks to Miles Austin. Hey, find him at fillthefunnel.com. You can always follow him on Twitter at Miles Austin. That's going to do it for our show, and it's been great to have you along. As we wrap up show number 36 and wrap up 2014, Thanks to Robbie Riggs of 15 Springfield for joining us. A special thanks to Miles for yet another great tool for us to use. I want to thank Michael Sergan, our engineer, and great work that he's done all year long for us. And to Brandy Jackson, our executive producer. We'll see you next week. Remember, big announcements coming next week about the Business Locker Room. Find us at bizlockerroom.com. I'm Kelly Riggs. I'll see you next week in the Business Locker Room. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business-building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of The Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.